want to share with you from the Bible. I want you to look with me first and foremost at Mark chapter 5. Mark the fifth chapter. Brenda, of course, sends greetings and uh, she's packing us up. We're getting ready to go to Oklahoma for Thanksgiving. So woohoo. Yeah, 20 degrees. Woohoo. <laughs> it's going to be good, though. We're going to have a good time. John and Lindy are going with us. Olivia, our granddaughter, is going. James and Esther are coming down from Branson. We're going to have ourselves a high-heeled time. And we're going to Ricky's house. We might just have a Holy Holy Ghost hoedown around that dinner table. Amen. I want you to, to just uh, work with me a little bit. Look at Mark chapter 5, and uh, I want us to look at a few instances uh where, where and how people came to Jesus. I believe it's really important how we approach him. Yes. Y- yes. Hello back there. Oh, CIA, you're dismissed. <laughs> I thought you guys were just being extra friendly. Children's church is dismissed. <laughs> Amen. Do you believe that how you approach him is important? You know, I, I I don't get really blessed when when people start talking about the man upstairs or my buddy Jesus. You know, he is our friend, but first and foremost, he's our Lord. He he is our master. And the way we approach him should be with reverence. It should be with honor, and it should be with the greatest of respect. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that we are afraid of him and that we back off from him. Like some of us were taught when we grew up, we thought we were taught that, you know, God's mad at you and, and God's going to get you for that. You know, it's like one person said, if God was going to get us for that, we'd already been done God. Right? No, God is not hate. He is not up in heaven, some, you know, upset grandpa-type old guy. No, God is love. He's our Father. So I just want to look at a a, a few things tonight in Mark chapter 5. I've never preached this before, and I don't really have any notes, and sometimes it comes out better that way. Uh, Mark, the fifth chapter, and I want you to notice in verse 22, Mark 5, 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. So he was Jewish, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, when Jairus saw him, Jairus fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. Falling at the feet of the master is a sign of servitude. It is a sign of You are my master. It is a sign of lordship. He fell at his feet out of respect. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come lay thy hands on her, and she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now, on the way over to Jairus' house, there came out of the crowd 
a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. The scripture says that she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. That's not a good position to be in. Getting worse is not a good thing. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. Don't you know that there was something about his garment that carried virtue? There was something about his garment that was filled with healing power. We know that he was anointed because God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. And with that power, he went about doing good and healed everyone that was oppressed of the devil. So she came out of the press and she touched the hem of his garment. Oh, hallelujah. You know what? You can touch him tonight. He's in this place tonight. For she said, if I may but touch him, I shall be whole. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, knowing immediately in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, he turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude, master, they're thronging thee. And how can you say who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. Now, it doesn't really say that she fell at his feet, but she fell down. You can read into that, that when the lady was healed, And she came before the master with a full manifestation of healing power in her body. She fell at his feet. There's something powerful about falling at his feet. There is something that is released when you and I come to the master and sit at his feet. The Bible said of Martha that she was very careful and she was troubled about many things. Jesus was over at the house. He came by to eat and pots and pans were flowing and chicken was sizzling and there was a lot of cooking going on. And Mary got, Martha got upset at Mary. And she said, what are you doing out there? Don't you care? Jesus said, look at Martha, you are careful and you're troubled about a lot of things. It wasn't just this day that something was nagging her and something was bothering her. She was filled with care. She was filled with anxiety and she got resentful toward Mary. And Jesus corrected her and said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. The Bible says, Mary has chosen the good part. In the context of Luke chapter 10, you read where it says, Mary seated herself at his feet to hear the word. Oh, 
I wonder what would happen to our cares and our anxieties if we would arrange our schedules to be at his feet more often. I wonder if the stress would just leave our lives completely if we seriously made a commitment to come to him and to sit at his feet and just hear from him and fellowship with him. The woman with the issue of blood fell down before him, told him all the truth. Jairus approached him, fell at his feet, shared with the master what the problem was. He got the attention of the master and the master went to his house. Aren't you glad that the master lives in your house? You don't have to call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. He lives on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of me. We are temples of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And my prayer for my life and my prayer for your life is that we would not ignore him. But that we would spend quality time with him. And sit at his feet. Amen. Verse 34. And he said unto her daughter, your faith has made you whole. How many of you know that if her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole? Because the truth of the matter is, is faith has not been done away with. Now, while he yet speak, spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master any further. And the Bible says, As soon as Jesus heard the word, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, You started out right. You made your petition known to me. You came to my feet. You got my attention. Now here is a deal breaker. If you'll yield to fear, it won't happen. And that's why he said, be not afraid. Only believe. I say to you by the word of the Lord, that if you will spend time at the master's feet, feasting on manna from heaven, dwelling in his presence, abiding in him in worship and in praise, fear will no longer be a part of your life. You'll get courage and you'll be strengthened in the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. He said, don't be afraid, believe only. And he suffered no man to follow him, said Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. How many know sometimes... You got to get the doubters. You got to get the whiners. You got to get the unbelievers. You got to get the people with the what all the what ifs and the buts and this all that stuff. You got to put them outside. Not that he didn't love them, but Jesus requires an atmosphere of faith, of reverence, and of expectation. He come to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and saw the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make you this ado? Why weep? The damsel is not dead. She's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. That's quite the opposite 
of sitting at his feet. That's quite the opposite of reverence. That's quite the opposite of respect. They laughed him to scorn. But he didn't get offended. He just said, outside, boys. And then he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him entered in where the damsel was lying. Are you ready to see and hear a miracle tonight? And he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And right away the damsel arose and walked, for she was only twelve years old. And they were greatly astonished with great astonishment. I say to you tonight that this miracle would not have happened in Jairus' daughter's life if Jairus had not come the right way. There's a right way to come to him. To come to him in respect and to come to him with great honor. Say it with me, this season, I'm going to arrange my schedule. <laughs> I'm going to sit at the feet of the Master. Hallelujah. Look with me at Luke chapter 8, and I want us to notice something in verse 35. Does anyone need a miracle tonight? Are you willing to come to the feet of Jesus? Somebody says, well, I don't see Jesus. Well, you're wrong. He's all over the place. He's here. He's in our midst. He's walking up and down the aisles. He's here to touch you. He's here to minister to you. Miracles are no problem with him. Absolutely no problema. He is a God of miracles. You know something? His miracle power has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same on Hesperian Boulevard than he was in Nazareth. He is the same in Hayward than he was in Galilee. He has not changed. He is the same. And he simply wanted to pour out his spirit upon those who will love him and show him honor and show him respect. You know some He'll even pour out his spirit and heal people that are rebels. He'll heal them on credit. Because he loves them so much. Because you know what? We serve a God that sees the end from the beginning. He sees the end product. He doesn't see the mess you are right now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Just kidding. Luke chapter 8. Notice this with me. Luke, the 8th chapter. Man, it feels pretty good to preach three times on a Sunday. I don't know that I'd like an 8, a 1030, and a noon. But, you know, a little break in the afternoon will work just fine. Luke, the 8th chapter. How many of you know that Jesus, he delivered people. He set people free. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 35, we see this man that was bound by an evil spirit 
And it was a legion of demonic forces. It was not just one or two demonic forces, but there were legion, there were many demonic spirits that had harassed this man. And in Luke, the eighth chapter, and I'm trying to get there, we see that Jesus had ministered to him. And we see that he had been set free by the power of God. In verse 32, let's look at that. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake. And they were choked. That's where you get deviled ham from. Ha, ha, ha. Understand that this guy was berserko. No, I didn't say he was from Berkeley. I said he was berserko. This guy was literally out of his mind. And yet Jesus, being moved with compassion, saw that man in his dilemma, and he told that spirit and those spirits to come out. And we see something that the man did when he was set free. Verse 35, look at this. It says, Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus, and they found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting where? Sitting in front of Sunday night football. Sitting with his remote control. Hardly able to wait till the next special came on MTV. Sitting there with a thousand channels just surfing and surfing. It won't be long before that man has seven demons worse than the one he just got rid of. If he doesn't go to the right place. Come on. You have seen, perhaps we have seen people over the years that Jesus Christ has dramatically set free. And because they didn't stand fast in the freedom wherewith Christ set them free, they became entangled again with the yoke of bondage. But that doesn't have to happen to me. And that doesn't have to happen to you. Because we know where the healing came from. We know where the deliverance came from. And when he sets you free, stay close to him. This is what this man did. They went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed and in his right mind, and they were Afraid. Woo! But there's something about sitting at his feet. There's something about positioning yourself at the feet of the master. For many, many years, Brenda and I followed, I believe, one of the leading prophets in the land who literally was humble before God 
And all he wanted was people to see Jesus. And so what we did is we positioned ourselves to sit at the feet of the master and to sit at the feet of the prophet of God so that we could learn and so that we could grow. Whose feet are you sitting at? Whose feet are you sitting at? You see, you can sit at the seat at the feet of Hollywood. You can sit at the feet of idolatry. Sit at the feet of any number of things that we don't even really need to mention in church. Because how many of you know sin and death is not worth mentioning? It's not worth giving the devil the airtime. The devil is a defeated foe. We don't need to go his way. We need to go the way of the Lord. I'm sitting at his feet. Sitting at his feet is so sweet. The master's feet. They washed his feet. They came before him with reverence. They came before him with honor. Look with me at Luke 17. Luke, the 17th chapter. How many of you were not able to be with us this morning? Raise your hand. Well, that's probably about three quarters of you. Luke, the 17th chapter. Notice this with me. And this is the story. This is the recording of the lepers. We find in verse 11, as we begin there in Luke 17, that it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a village, there met him how many lepers? There were ten lepers. And those lepers evidently had congregated themselves together, probably somewhere outside of the city, because a leper was not welcome in the city, because a leper was unclean. And so if you were a leper, and you went into the city and tried to commune with other people that were not lepers, it was mucho trobello, trouble. And so they're on the outside. There's old Hiram out there and whoever else. And these guys are literally outcasts of society. It's a very difficult position to be in. But I want you to know something. They didn't let their present circumstance keep them from coming to the master. They didn't sit there outside of the city and feel sorry for themselves, they must have heard something about Jesus. They must have heard that Jesus was passing by. Perhaps they heard about the dead being raised. Perhaps they heard about the son being raised from the dead. They must have heard because hope rose in them. And they just didn't sit there in their present condition. The Bible says they lifted up their voices. It's a marvelous thing to lift up your voice. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. 
I want you to say that about five times. Jesus, have mercy on us. Go ahead. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy. One more time, real strong. Jesus, what is mercy? Mercy is compassion. Mercy is love with legs. Jesus was moved with compassion. When they made a demand upon his compassion and his mercy, how many of you know they got his attention? They absolutely did. And when Jesus saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priests. Go show yourself to the priests. What that literally means is, guys, you're healed. Now, all you got to do is go over to the priest under Levitical law and let the priest pronounce you clean. I mean, him saying, go show yourself to the priest is just like him saying to you, I took your infirmities and I bore your sicknesses. Him saying, go show yourself to the priest is tantamount of him saying, by his stripes, you were healed. Woo! Go show yourself to the priest. They were pregnant with a promise, but they weren't cleansed when he said that. They were not cleansed until they went. As they went, they were cleansed. And there's a spiritual truth that's important here. You might have the promise of God, but if you stand around twiddling your thumbs, thinking about the promises of God, instead of moving in the promises of God, cleansing and healing and breakthroughs will not come. The Bible says as they went, they were cleansed. I can't tell you the number of times that as I just went, I was strengthened. As I went to the pulpit, God met me there. As you get up on Monday morning, declaring the joy of the Lord is your strength. As you go to work, God will strengthen you. You'll be able to face another day, another week, because you've got the promise. And you're acting on the word. Go show yourself to the priests. The Bible says as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, just one of them, I want to be the one in ten. I don't know if this is significant. You can't prove it, but you can't necessarily prove it wrong. But perhaps there's only 10% of Christians that really turn back to give God the glory do his name. We live in a society, folks, that says more. You need more. you got to have more. We have been reduced in this society to being so selfish and so unthankful and unholy that we haven't taken the time to turn back and glorify God. Listen very carefully. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. 
Say with me, I'm one of them who turns back. The Bible said that he turned back with a loud voice. I like that. The Bible says, shout. As I said this morning, those people that can call down to the front on the prices right for some new dishes and perhaps a dryer and a shake, silverware and a shake at the turn of the wheel, they go nuts. Ah! They wear all sorts of crazy clothes. Those folks are crazy. Some of them, if they were coming to this church and see you running and dancing and shouting and rolling and doing whatever, they'd think you're crazy. No, they're crazy. We're peculiar. They're nuts. We're a purchase possession. We got something to shout about. We got something to dance about. We got something to be happy about. was not, this leper was not quiet about it. He shouted to God. Pull verse 15 up in the message translation of that same particular set of scriptures. Somebody shout with me tonight. Listen. There's the shout of faith before the manifestation. There's the shout of faith after the manifestation. It's a good thing to give praises unto God. <laughs> Whew, I've done it again. I think I preached myself happy, Vern. Glory! <laughs> one of them. Just one. You be that one. You be that one like Mary. You be that one like Jairus. You be that one like the leper. One of them. When he realized that he was healed, he turned around, he came back, shouting his gratitude. Glorifying. Glorifying God. You see, I think sometimes we get so blessed that things start coming back to us on every wave. And we see the favor of God here and the favor of God there. It becomes a way of life. If you're really believing and you're really expecting the goodness of God to show up in everything you do and everywhere you go, if you are having constant declarations of God's favor, you are going to have constant manifestations of the favor of God in your life. And so I think where we need to be careful as believers is once God starts doing some awesome things for us, we just don't look at it as status quo. But we take time. We turn back. We fall at his feet. Pretty good down there. 
We just fall at his feet. See, the world will tell you you've got to have more, you've got to have bigger, you've got to have better. But listen, there is power in being grateful for the little things. I mean, a good meal. Come on, heat in your tent, right? An automobile that doesn't have a flat tire. It's something to shout about. Yeah, but those preachers in L.A., they're driving Mercedes and they're driving Rolls Royce. Well, big stinking deal. I'm driving a 13-year-old Cadillac and it ain't given up yet and I'm happy. And I'm not any more spiritual and I'm not any more special than anyone else. You see, there is a value and there's a blessing in learning to be content and learning to be thankful. Get up in the morning, take your first breath and say, thank you, Lord, I'm alive. I know my Redeemer liveth. He's kept me alive for 63 years. And I'll tell you the truth about it. I plan on making it all the way to the finish line. I declare by the grace of God and only by the grace of God that I will live long and I will live strong and that you will live long and that you will live strong. And we all shall hear, well done, thou good and faithful servants. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord your God. Amen. <laughs> so with a loud voice. That makes the devil nervous, but who cares? He's nuts to begin with. We don't live to satisfy him. But listen, there's value in being thankful for the little things. Are you thankful for your wife? I know you are. She's a big blessing to you. Being thankful. Thank you, Lord. You know, Brenda has this beautiful Lexus, and I got to drive it tonight. I feel like strutting me some stuff right now. So I got, I got the Lexus is on the lot. But ever since I can remember, she would call whatever she would drive her favor mobile. Her favorite mobile. And you know, John and James growing up. Oh, yeah, right, Mom. Favorite mobile. But more than once, and I mean hundreds of times, I've seen that favorite mobile park in the front. Yesterday, she wasn't even driving. I was driving her car with John to the Stanford Cal game. We got there kind of late, right? And so I didn't want to park three miles away. I didn't need all that exercise. So, we, listen, we just kept driving. And we drove right up to the reserve parking. And I said, we're in the favor mobile. John says, is there any parking left? She says, no, there's not. But you guys can park in there for free if you want to. Just go right over there, right next to the stadium. Is that because we're something? No, it's because he's something. 
But when those things happen, we need to turn. Just don't keep moving. Oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Another blessing. Oh, my faith is so great. I'm so wonderful. No, you're not. You are not all that. Nobody else on TV that thinks they are is either. I don't know where that came from, but just forget it. The little things turn. Thank God. The people that wait on you, thank God. Thank them. Give them a Holy Ghost tip. You know, Holy Ghost tip could be more than 10%. It could even be 20. Be faithful to turn. Now notice. In one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell on his face at his feet. And he gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even in the covenant. He was outside of the covenant. But he didn't let what he wasn't hinder from me, hinder him from receiving what Jesus had and who Jesus was and is to him. He glorified him. He fell at his feet. There is a place tonight for you at his feet. There's a place for you to receive your strength, your refreshing, your renewal, your miracle, your infilling of the Holy Spirit, your salvation, your love from God. There's a place for you right here at his feet.